We are live. Welcome back for another exciting episode on the Coffee with Craner show. I'm your host, Lyndon Crane, joined today by a very special guest, Helga Rydell. She is the president and CEO at NWIN Utilities Limited, also a board trustee at the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board. And uh, prior to her role at NWIN, she was also the former CAO at the City of Windsor. And prior to that, she also led a team in the finance department as vice president of finance at WFCU Credit Union. And if we want to take it back a bit further, also manager of human resources at the Greater Essex County District School Board. Aside from that, sits on the University of Windsor's Board of Governors and also does many other uh, nonprofit work and volunteer work in the community. Helga, absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks very much, Lyndon. It's great to be here to chat with you. Of course, and I've heard many great things about you and your work ethic and um, all the great things that you do for the corporations in Windsor. And uh, let's just kick it off. First question, where in Windsor is your favorite place to get coffee? <laughs> well, I'm a big coffee drinker. I love coffee. I usually have three or four a day and um, often it's from Tim Hortons. Uh, that's one of my favorite stops when I'm in my car. Um, about a week ago, I try. I met a friend uh, the first day that the sidewalk uh, cafes or the sidewalk patios opened, and so at 7:30 we were hunting around for a uh, open patio at 7:30 a.m. and we ended up at Starbucks, which was great. Um, but I have to say, my favorite local one uh, is Anchor Coffee, and Anchor um, is on here online is where I used to go to meet people for a quick business coffee or whatever the case may be. And I haven't really tried out their other location now that your online shut down. Um, but I uh, look forward to doing that soon too. So yes, coffee is good no matter where it comes from. I like it all. Exactly, exactly. You must be drinking a lot of coffee because of how busy you are. <laughs> well, maybe that is what got me started in it. Um, but you know, I'm an accountant by profession and uh, I don't think too many accountants and auditors, um, you know, really can function without a lot of coffee. Uh, it's you know, auditing at the early days of it is not the most exciting job. And so you need that coffee boost to keep yourself going. Yes, exactly. And I've heard stories that you would be at uh, City Hall uh, sometimes on the weekends, Sundays, late evenings. Um, you were working all the time. You know, the job at City Hall was a huge job. Um, you know, uh, 2,500 employees and very regular council meetings, lots of reading, lots of reports. And yeah, my car was parked there all the time. Um, I loved it though. It was a very exciting job, uh, but uh, it's one of those jobs I think you can only do so long and then you need a bit of a rest. And um, as much as I loved it, um, I thought it was time for a change. Yeah, mm -hmm, so that mm -hmm. landed me here at Enwin. And Enwin's lucky to have you. And uh, I guess to talk about that, what are some of the things that most people wouldn't know what a president and CEO does of, of a major electricity distribution company. Well, so let me start by saying um, we don't just do electricity distribution. That is, of course, um, one of our major functions under Enwin Utilities. But actually here at Enwin, uh, I'm the president and CEO of three companies. Um, and when uh, and when utilities, of course, Windsor Canada, that's the financing um, um, company that owns the other companies and Enwin Energy is our unregulated company. But um, we also are the group that provides water to Windsor and uh, surrounding areas, LaSalle and Tecumseh. And we do that through a contract of service between Enwin and the Windsor Utilities Commission. So that uh, commission also has a board of directors 
or board of commissioners. And uh, so uh, that's another one of our responsibilities. So it's electricity, water, and a number of related services as well. We service the streetlights for the city of Windsor also. So fairly broad scope. Um, and, you know, my job is to really oversee all of that. Um, at Enwin, we put our customers first. And so I think um, if I had to pick one thing that our senior management team and really all of our employees are focused on is customer service. Um, and and uh, we have a great team in our call center, a great team on the front lines working with the developers, which are really picking up in the city of Windsor. And um, so uh, that's, that's really an important focus. Um, but over and above that, we are also a company with about 300 employees, 309 is our approved complement for this year. And, uh, you know, that's been a fair bit of work to make sure that our employees are comfortable working through uh, the pandemic. Um, we have about half of that number working from home remotely still um, following this third wave, which we're probably still in, uh, trying to climb out. Um, and then we have the other half of the employees working on the field in the front lines. And, you know, I have to really commend our staff because they kept going through the entire pandemic because, um, you know, we're one of those services or several services that people really um, relied upon during the pandemic. Um, with so many people working from home, um, the um, electricity, the water flow, uh, which everyone takes for granted, uh, had to keep going. And so we had people working in our water plant um, continuously, working in the control room for electricity continuously. It's a 24-7, both are 24-7 operations, 365. Um, so uh, just making sure that our staff had the support they needed to keep doing their job on the phones, um, in the front lines, and, and that they were safe. And so um, that's really been for the, I'd say the last year and a half, that's been a total um, preoccupation of all of our management team to make sure all those issues were addressed. Um, and then of course, you know, we're a regulated entity under the, by the Ontario Energy Board. And so making sure that we are in regulatory compliance at all times on the electricity side and in operational regulatory compliance on the water side as well. Uh, so uh, my job is to oversee all of that, but I do that through a very uh, competent and skilled team of, um, of vice presidents. And um, uh, they are, uh, you know, uh, 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 from a variety of disciplines. Um, we have uh, engineers and uh, business professionals on our, um, on our executive team, and uh, they're capable of running the show, and they do that very well. Well, we'll talk about a portfolio that you have to really oversee. How do you manage that? What's it, I guess, what skills does it take to be in a role that you're in? Well, you know, I think um, the skills that have certainly served me well are, you know, financial skills. I mentioned that I'm, I'm an accountant by profession. Um, I'm very organized and I think being very resilient is important and being able to respond to challenges that arise because every job is challenging, whether you're in the in the public sector or in the private sector. Um, you know, resilience is really important. Being able to have a little bit of thick skin and be able to hear the hear the issues, hear the challenges, hear even the complaints and take them seriously and try to decipher where change is needed or where change can be made and then proceeding to make that change. And so, 
you know, I think really strong organizational skills are important. These jobs are very large. You can't drop the ball on, on anything and being able to set up processes and procedures has been something I've been fairly good at. I'd have to pat myself on the back for. Um, and, um, and they're important, you know, they're important in bureaucracies to make sure things don't fall through the cracks. And I think we've done a really good job of that here at Enwin. Uh, everybody's pulled together um, on that front. So um, uh, because we are so heavily financially regulated, and of course, budgets are tight on, on all sides of our operation, um, I think the financial skills are very important as well. And I, I um, you know, understanding the, the environment that we operate in. But I also want to say, Lyndon, things are changing. Um, innovation is really going to be key to the electricity and water sector in future. Um, first of all, just the financial pressures that we're constantly under means we have to be innovative and be more efficient. But we also have to um, develop uh, new ways of looking at um, our revenue sources and how our revenue is generated. And on the electricity side, um, when you think about what's happening in the electricity world, with, um, you know, everybody sees the solar panels and the wind turbines and and self-generation, um, uh, large generators going into um, the industrial community. Um, when you when you think about the way our grid has developed, it's um, it's been developed to push energy out to the consumer. It hasn't ever really been developed to to have a two way grid. Now, our engineers are, are, have been planning for this for some time. And of course, we have a two-way grid in many locations. We are taking in uh, power that's being generated by consumers, uh, but there's more work to be done on that front. And so innovation is key to ready ourselves for the future of electric vehicles and um, whatever else the future may hold. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we're seeing it just from consumers, right? How how energy is changing so quickly in our region, um, and especially would five G have any impact on on Enwin? Yeah, it it absolutely does. Uh, we're conducting a couple of pilot projects, um, and uh, we're looking at how um, we can assist telecom providers in um, in implementing five G. They, of course, uh, may be interested in where our our poles are located across the city and. Um, not all the poles you see in the city are ours. The streetlight poles belong to the city and the hydro poles belong to Enwin or sometimes even Bell. So it's a complex um, a relationship that will evolve for the 5G telecom providers. And uh, there are definitely uh, activities taking place on that front as well. Very interesting. I bet you the, the average resident wouldn't know that. They would see a pole and, and, think, and think Enwin, right? That's right. That's right. Now we do service the streetlight poles for the city. So we do have a role in almost all the poles except for the bell poles. Um, but uh, we don't own all the poles. We probably own about half of them in the city. Gotcha. Well, very, very interesting. Yeah. Now, speaking of the city, how has your, I guess, your previous role as a CAO really transferred over into what you're doing now at Enwin? Well, you know, I think leadership is, um, is really um, similar in in almost all large organizations, and particularly since uh, Enwin is owned by the City of Windsor, they're our shareholder. Um, some of our processes are are very similar, um, and uh, where they aren't, where they weren't, maybe similar when I got here. I've I've probably brought them a little closer towards the city structure, uh, but Enwin is really um, a blend of both. Um, 
private sector practices or corporate practices, if you will, and uh, sort of the more public sector practices. And uh, we've tried to really find that balance here at Enwin. Uh, that's certainly something I've tried to do is find the balance between um, sort of the more corporate world because we are um, Ontario uh, uh, corporations here at Enwin. And uh, we do have to follow corporate practices and corporate filings and, and so forth. And we have boards of directors that follow the Ontario Business Corporations Act. Um, so from the perspective of, of, of the fact that we're companies, we, we follow those practices. But we also try to be a, as transparent as we can be to the public in a manner similar to the city. So the city has, for example, open meetings and at Enwin, we um, bring as much as possible into the open uh, session of our board meetings as well, which isn't something every utility does. It's something that's unique to Enwin and Windsor. Um, and, um, you know, we try to be uh, um, transparent, as I say, we try to follow those practices for only bringing necessary things in camera. And um, uh, so those are some of the similarities. Um, uh, from a leadership perspective, both organizations are very large. Um, certainly the city is much larger than Enwin in terms of numbers of employees. Um, but uh, once you get up to a certain size, uh, there are, are lots of um, employee, um, I guess, um, protocols and processes to, to put in place. And uh, so that from that perspective, it's similar. Um, uh, Enwin has uh, three bargaining units. The city, I lost track a while ago, probably have about nine or ten that uh, Jason Raynard is dealing with in terms of the number of uh, bargaining units and collective agreements he has to manage um, and that I used to work with. Um, so we have less uh, in numbers here at Enwin, but very similar processes and, um, and things we have to go through from that perspective. Uh, so I would say it's a little bit smaller here. Um, my hours are probably slightly less at Enwin than they used to be at the city because I truly was 24-7 uh, at the city and I my car would be parked there seven days a week. Um, uh, I will say that one of the things we've certainly learned in the last year and a half is that we don't have to park ourselves in our offices and lots can be done from home and I've certainly had to adjust to that as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, I guess it, it, from what you're saying, a lot of things have changed at Enwin and it's, it's, there's some type of shift towards um, doing what the city does corporate wise. What are some other things that have changed really since you've joined the leadership team at Enwin in 2016, if, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, it was 2016. Um, well, let me start by saying what hasn't changed. I just want to take a moment to give a shout out to our frontline staff. Um, they uh, are truly the most customer focused and caring group of people whether they're front lines in um, the hydro crews that uh, you see uh, in the bucket trucks and on the street, or whether they're front lines in our water division doing maintenance on the water system. They, they truly uh, care about the public. Um, I get compliments that they, they talk to folks all the time and explain things. And then there's our call center. So, so let me just say that um, they were always being customer focused and I don't think that has changed. But what has changed um, I think I've already spoken of um, uh, certainly some administrative procedures that I've put in place and asked our, our team to put in place and they've responded to very well. So I think that's that's part of it. Um, but probably the, the most impactful thing on the electricity side has been um, uh, the fact that we've really um, gained efficiencies um, uh, both in, um, I guess, um, 
uh, our billing uh, processes, our um, headcounts. We've we've really dropped our numbers since 2016. So when I arrived here in 2016, we uh, had a staff complement of about 340 people, and we're down to about 309. I mentioned earlier. And we're trying to really maintain the balance of, of you know a high degree of customer service, but effect, but with effective rates that our customers demand. Um, in 2018 and 2019, we spent considerable time developing a rate application that we presented to the Ontario Energy Board. And most people will think that means an increase in rates, but for NWIN in this particular application, it actually saw our rates go down, um, and. Um, I don't even know if our customers noticed because it's all part of a bill that they can't see the NWIN portion of very clearly, but um, but that is in fact what happened. And um, and that was correct, that was appropriate. That's what the Ontario Energy Board approved. And because of that, we've really had to learn to be more efficient in the organization to respond to that. And we have, we're still uh, paying our dividend to the city of Windsor. Uh, we are still uh, having uh, sufficient cash to reinvest into capital um, in terms of uh, the grid. And um, the water system has a healthy bottom line that they are reinvesting into the water system. And, um, and we're trying to do that with less people, less staff and less money, um, lower rates to our ratepayers. So those are all the things that I think uh, have been the prime focus for me anyway for the last five years and for our senior team. And they've done an amazing job of it. That's great to hear. Seems like some some really substantial changes that has uh, improved the customer service that Enwin um, provides to many people. How many in, in uh, Windsor-Essex does Enwin service? Well, we have um, customers in the range of 90,000 individual customers or accounts, and we wow. have 90,000 water and 90,000 electricity customers. Now they're, they're similar or, or the same customers, same households, same businesses and so forth. Uh, but it's about 90,000 uh, customers. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Is there a, I guess, competition that you have to take in the, into account or things you have to do to be competitive in this market? Well, um, I think most people would label us a monopoly. Um, we are the prime provider of, of electricity or we traditionally have been the prime provider of electricity and the only provider of potable water through the pipes in the city of Windsor. Um, on the electricity side, that is changing. Uh, organizations, companies, um, and even individual households are doing self-generation. They're finding ways to uh, reduce their reliance on our grid. And that's a bit of a challenge because they want to reduce their reliance, reduce their cost, but not necessarily um, eliminate uh, the need for that for our grid. Um, it's still necessary and people want it there when they need it and it, it costs money to maintain. And so that's really one of the challenges that everyone across Ontario, all distribution companies and the Ontario Energy Board are wrestling with right now is how to ensure that um, utilities can still uh, maintain the grid in, in top form and uh, function well in the face of some of these uh, changing technologies and, and reduced, um, reduced full reliance on the electricity grid. So that is definitely part of our challenge. So green energy has been, uh changing things uh it has i mean it's not in um a large as large of a use as um as you know the the percentage of energy coming from uh, green energy is still a minority in the province so 
Um, but I would say some of the other technologies, um, you know, behind the meter generation that many corporations are, are starting to implement is uh, going to make it make a bigger and bigger impact as time goes on. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, I guess with with public sector, sometimes people think that it moves too slow. Uh, how can an individual or a corporation maintain progressive growth um, in this bureaucratic environment? I guess I have I guess I have two sort of views on that. Um, I, I don't actually think we move that slowly. I think in Windsor we've we've really tried to push ourselves both at Enwin and at the city in my in my past time there um, to try and move as quickly as possible. Um, the, the difference in a bureaucratic environment or in a public sector environment, if you will, is that it's important to consult. Um, you know, people have a right to have a say in, in next steps in big initiatives, whether those be initiatives on the water system, the electricity system, or in any of the, the departments at the city of Windsor. And so you can't really skip that step. You know, that consultation is very important. It's a question of finding ways to do it as, as efficiently as possible and still in a meaningful way. Um, I really think the pandemic has taught us how to do that. There are, you know, the, the days of sort of having a community center consultation might be almost over because electronic consultation is probably what the new generation is responding uh, to a bit more. Um, but it'll take some time. It won't happen overnight. There are still those who don't, don't do that. Um, so, you know, consultation is what probably takes the most time in, in a bureaucracy. But um, funding constraints are what drives innovation in, in a, every bureaucracy that I've ever been a part of. When you really don't have the means and you still have a mission to accomplish, you find a way to do it with less. And I think that that has truly resulted in innovation. Um, here at here at Enwin, we are um, we have uh, worked with uh, WeTech. We have uh, worked on our own through research of a number of our management team to uh, develop what we call our, our it's their innovation forums, but actually we call them innovation forums for Enwin. Uh, and our staff have really learned how to um, view problems uh, through more than one lens, not just through the lens of their current immediate problem, but through the lens of how potential solutions will impact all aspects of the organization. Um, so we've actually had training in this. We continue to train our staff in um, innovation techniques. And um, it has brought about some interesting change here at Enwin. And sometimes it's a change that leads to cost effectiveness and efficiency or other revenue sources. And other times it just leads to improved processes for our employees um, to give the employee a better experience here at Enwin. So we've had all kinds of suggestions and uh, we try to uh, implement those as, um, as we go. So, so really I think the public sector, very similar to the private sector, um, has, has these tools at their disposal to be innovative and, and to be progressive. Seems like partnerships has been a, a big thing for Enwin. Mm -hmm. We do try to partner with, uh, well, I mentioned WeTech. Um, we do try to uh, partner with um, other um, public sector entities, certainly our partnership with the city, though there are shareholder, there are projects that we do in partnership with them as well. Very interesting, very interesting. I want to um, throw a, a final question at you relating to leadership and working through um, challenging times, what have, would you say has been 
the the greatest challenge that you've had to face in, in many multiple uh, credible leadership roles that you've had uh, in the public sector? Well, um, you know, there have been a number of challenges. I would say the hardest um, experience in any organization is organizational change. So for example, um, and I've experienced it in a number of, of places and locations. Um, my first 10 years were actually in the private sector. I worked for Pricewaterhouse, which is now PwC, Pricewaterhouse Coopers, and then Hiram Walker. And Hiram Walker during those years was being purchased by, um, by uh, Allied Lions PLC from the UK. And it resulted in tremendous change, which is very difficult for staff and um, and the management team to to manage around. And then the same thing happened when I worked for the school boards shortly thereafter and entered into the, the public sector. Uh, the school boards were all amalgamated in, in um, uh, uh, 1999, I think it was 98, 99. And um, it resulted in, you know, people having to report to different workplaces, people having different managers, new workmates, new colleagues. And and these are sometimes very difficult changes um, through which some people are, um, you know, lose their jobs due to downsizing, et cetera. And then at the city too, multiple reorganizations, multiple changes. And um, I would say those are all very challenging staff management things to deal with. Um, and and it's really important to kind of um, band together and, and coach each other through it and, and support each other through uh, those kinds of changes. Um, I have to say, though, and I'm sure you've heard this from some of your other um, guests on your on your program. Honestly, nothing compared to the pandemic when it first started. Uh, certainly, we've come a long way in the last year and a half. But the pandemic was probably um, an organizational event, a corporate organizational event that really was one of the biggest I've ever experienced in the sense that it wasn't employees fearing for their um, jobs some cases I'm sure other organizations were, but they were over and above that fearful for their for their health, for their family's health, for their lives in some cases. And it really, to me, brought a whole different dimension to the workplace dynamic. And in our workplace, we had to keep going regardless of the fact that, that there might be real danger. And we didn't understand that danger very well in the beginning. So um, as much as I've, I've worked through many, many, um, difficult organizational situations over the years. I have to say the pandemic had a very different tone to it. And again, I, I congratulate our employees who remained at work and um, took us a little while to get all of the office staff working from home because we weren't set up for that, but we, you know, it happened. I give our IT team a lot of credit for having managed that. I think what we experienced probably was experienced in most essential workplaces where some could work from home, but other people had to stay um, and, you know, at their posts. And, um, and uh, so, you know, that was, that was difficult when we didn't know what that pandemic meant at the beginning. And uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can't imagine, right? Anyone's being an essential service and having to work through this, right? People need power. People need power and people expect their water to flow. Now, now there are others, obviously the healthcare workers, we don't, um, you know, they were right on the front lines and I don't think we we put ourselves in quite in their shoes, but nonetheless, mm -hmm. we had to remain at our posts and um, in particular, our frontline staff. And, and, you know, it didn't matter if you were frontline or if you weren't, um, there, the, the unknown 
of this pandemic, um, based on everything that was in the media at the start of it, really, um, really, you know, created a lot of fear. And um, we all felt it. I'm sure everyone felt it around the world. And uh, it impacted all of us a little differently. And so, so it was a unique, um, from a pure management perspective, from the perspective of uh, CEO of this company, it was definitely a unique uh, set of circumstances that we've all learned a lot from. And I certainly have too. No doubt, no doubt. Well, folks, uh, those watching, um, Helga, it's been an absolute pleasure. You are terrific. And I, I mean, I look up to you in all of the uh, the great roles that you've taken on and how you've le led teams. And it's it's so exciting to hear all the great things that are happening at Enwin since you have, have taken over the leadership role. And uh, I really value your time tonight. Thanks so much, Lyndon. It was a pleasure to talk to you and it was uh, wonderful to meet you a year and a half ago or so when, when, that, when we first met. So thank you again for the opportunity. Thanks, Helga. And I, I do have a question that just came in. I don't know if you have a second to just answer it for us. Sure. Um, it's from Sierra Slickbar and uh, wondering, can you discuss any barriers you had to overcome given the sector's gender gap being a woman in leadership role? I thought this was an important question that we couldn't uh, leave out. Yeah, um, you know, I have to say that as a young professional starting out, um, someone said to me that uh, as a woman, I have to do twice as much to get half as far, work twice as hard to get half as far. Um, I, that, that comment that someone shared with me never left me. Um, you know, you have, to, you have to understand too, my career started in the early 80s. And while I think there were a number of professional women who paved the way um, ahead of that, and I'm very grateful uh, to those women in the Windsor-Essex County area. Um, it was still early days for women to aspire to leadership role in either the private or the public sector. So, so I had that stuck in my head. I would say I probably took it to an extreme and um, uh, just um, really took it to heart and worked very hard. And I think, um, I think probably in excess. Um, I, I don't know that those barriers were really that strong as the years went on. I found that um, many of my mentors were men, um, some at the school board, some at the city, amazing uh, men who really supported me. Um, but you know, like any organization, they, they expected results. They were in the leadership role and they were gonna support uh, people who uh, delivered results to them. So I, um, I don't know if I will call them barriers, but what I found was it was a matter of really learning the business that I was in and I switched a few times. So I always tried to learn the business that I was in, um, learn it better than anyone else um, or as best as I could. And hopefully that was better than anyone else and um, seek those uh, promotion opportunities. In my case, um, advancement came uh, from moving around a little bit. So I've, you know, you heard uh, Lyndon describe my career was in a few different places, always in the Windsor-Essex County area. So I was very lucky that way. Uh, but um, my movements resulted in um, allowing me to take my experiences from the previous workplace and apply them to the new workplace and uh, led to uh, sort of promotion opportunities in each successive workplace. Um, so you know, um, I, I always was very conscious of being a female in mostly male-dominated workplaces. And I just um, used that uh, to keep me going and uh, keep me working real hard and focused on, um, you know, focused on the job I was trying to do and, and um, trying to do the right thing. So I guess, um, I guess uh, that's, 
that's really what it is. Here at Enwin, uh, definitely a male-dominated um, organization and a male-dominated sector. Most of my colleagues across the province are men, but more and more women aspiring to leadership and achieving leadership roles in the electricity sector. Um, and the head of the Ontario Energy Board is a female and the head of the uh, IESO uh, is also a female now. So I think things are very much changing. Mm -hmm. Yes, things are changing. Our, our workplace definitely needs more people like you, Helga, in it um, to really lead uh, other women and um, just, I, I guess, help grow and help people grow in, in leadership roles because um, I think you bring a lot of experience and I, I would imagine just like people like Sierra and myself really like learning from you. So thanks for sticking around a little bit extra to um, answer no questions from the audience. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for the question and uh, I wish everyone the best of luck in their careers. Thank you. Thanks Helga and thanks to those that are watching tonight. We'll see you very soon. Bye for now.